Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Lucy McLaren. Lucy, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you, you know, approached me on Instagram. I try to follow as many authors as I can in places. And, I, you know, we try to post things as many times as we can. I feel like sometimes, you know, it's hard to get through that bubble. Uh, mm. So anytime... It's like when a fish jumps into your boat, you know, it just, it makes my life so much easier. Uh, so I was really happy you know, that you could, you know, that we could connect and get you on today. Uh, and we'll start right in there with that first question there, Lucy. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Well, so I, Awakening, which is the book I'll be talking about, is is the, my debut novel. And I started working on it back in 2018. So mm-hmm. at the time I was like, in my late 20s I can't do maths that quick but let's say like 27 <laughs> so I, I always liked writing and I did it as a, a child slash teenager but I had a lot of kind of like self-doubt and like basically just told myself I wasn't good enough there was no point in doing it and which is sad really it just I kind of let it fall by the wayside and, and didn't do it for many years and then I started training to be a counsellor mm. Um, and that meant I'd have my own counselling, did a lot of self-reflection and stuff. Ooh. And ultimately that led me to look at what I really wanted to do, and like my actual interests, um, rather than being interested in, in things that other people perhaps were, you know, interested in that I actually was just following along with and, and not really that keen on. And writing came out to be a big one of those. Ooh. And I remember writing down, I was keeping a journal at the time and I was like, I'm going to write a book. And um I started playing D&D at the same time and had to write a character backstory and that kind of opened up the creative <laughs> well um and yeah that kind of that that gave me my first character Evelyn and she became yeah one of the four characters in, in this book oh, um cool. and yeah I wrote that book over the course of probably about six months I think in 2018 um NaNoWriMo had a big part in that on that year and I was so excited to finish it, NaNoWriMo. <laughs> I um, had this first draft and I was like, I'm going to immediately submit this out to people, <laughs> to, to agents and stuff, which is a big mistake. Um, don't do that. Let it, you know, let it rest, go back to it, have beta readers. This is all stuff that I've learned since then. Um, but yeah, basically over the course of like between 2018, late 2019, I was like in a kind of cycle of subbing, querying, uh, but also like bringing it back and doing edits, having other people read it, which was really helpful, actually getting feedback from people. Um, and yeah, I ended up finding a publisher. Um, they're called Santa Fe Writers Project, um, SFWP. They had like an open call for fantasy books. And I was like, yeah, this is it. Um, so I submitted to them. I think this was like late 2019, I want to say. Um yeah, submitted to them, got feedback that was like, no, but like, w- like work on all these areas and, I'll, you know, I'd happily see it again, um, which was like the first kind of glimmer of <laughs> hope that I'd have that <laughs> was actually, yeah, there was something there. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of tweaks, submitted it back to them, waited a few months and, you know, it was the beginning of 2020 by then, obviously yeah. COVID was a thing. Um and so I got offered a um, a contract um, for, so it was 2020. And they, he said, because of COVID, I could release uh, 2022. And I remember him saying, like, you know, you may not want to take this offer, like, for, for the your career. And I was like, no, yes. <laughs> like, you know, I was so excited. 
Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I am. I feel like it happened quite quickly, actually, finding a publisher. So I was, I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, book one is out, came out in May this year. Um, and yeah, I'll obviously talk about the rest of the books. I won't say that now. That's spoilers, isn't it? But yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster of a few years, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned a couple things there. So you said, it, I'm sorry, you said uh, Santa Fe Publishing is the company? Santa Fe Writers Project, they're called. Right, Writers Project. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm drinking a coffee. <laughs> Perfect. I'm just going to write that down for later. I love anytime I can learn something new like that. Um, mm-hmm. This helps me out for later. And sometimes you, you never know. I end up getting better questions out of it. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely, thank you. I'm going to write that one down. Definitely check that out. Now, you so you mentioned, right, that you're querying. And, you know, I, I like that you mentioned that they said, but. And there's a lot of people I know, like yourself, who were basically told no, but said, but if you do this. And I like mm-hmm. how you mentioned that because I do feel like a lot of people think it's either going to be a yes or a no. And, Mm. but I like how you mentioned that there was a, but there, and then you really got hope from that and, you know, knew what to work on. So I think some people who I've talked to, they're like, Oh no, they said this. And I'm like, well, but what did they really say? They're like, well, they said, but, and I'm like, well, that's your in, you know? So Mm. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, I also like the, just want to point out that because I've tried to mention this because I've heard Michael J. Sullivan um, talk about this. Um, totally blanking because it's really early one of the star wars oh uh, not timothy zahn um one of the other ones that i talked to or I, I talked to somebody that had interviewed him but anyways so he's a really big name and he's like yeah that's you know the the old days of the really big you know the big fish publishing contracts are done and i've had quite a few traditional published authors come on here who have approached me like yourself you know mm-hmm. and are still doing you know the same thing that indie authors are doing and trying to get themselves and their product and their books out there mm-hmm. and i think there's sometimes a misconception because you know i see travis um you know um Belvedere, probably says last name right i'm um, wrong um legends and lattes you know doing the same thing you know and mm-hmm. he got approached by tor but you know i just i'm glad that you you know you came and approached me um, because I just think it shows, you know, that, and I always try to mention this because everybody always talks about indie authors, particularly on here, but I always try and point out to people that we're all in the same boat, you know, Mm. we're all trying to build our platform, trying to sell our product, you know, and it's just that the industry is not the same as it was years ago. And it's for traditional publishing, it's also not the same as it was before COVID. So Mm. I'm just want to point that out to people because I think they think, oh, I'm just going to get the big contract and the company's going to do the work for me. And, you know, I mean, um, I, I just think that, you know, those, those days and those authors were always a few anyway, there were really only 10 major authors that that really happened for, yeah. and some other off, you know, traditional published authors, particularly in sci-fi, you know, who have always done, they almost were like indie publishing. And now a lot of them are, um, hybrid publishers, a lot mm-hmm. like Brandon Sanderson. So I just wanted to point that out to the audience. Cause I think that's an interesting thing that not a lot of people talk about, but, uh, I was just curious as to, um, so you said it it took you, you know, it took them about two years, right, with the pandemic. So um what what were you working on other projects at that time? Uh so during like from I got offered the contract in 2020, like May, I want to say. Hmm. And then so from the so it's two years between then and release. So I uh, was yeah, working on editing book one with them. So that we did went like through multiple editing rounds. Hmm. Um and then, oh yeah, at the same time, I was working on a another book. Actually, no, you know what? I wrote book two, 
really quickly after yeah so I was writing book two at the same time because I was in like momentum so that was going on but I also have another project that I started around the same time which is another fantasy book which is kind of still like half done it's like nowhere near finished right now but then I um fell pregnant and um so my son was born July 21 so I kind of (laughs) underestimated the impact that would have on my um (laughs) mental faculties (laughs) Uh, I was like this is fine I'll be able to carry on once I've had a baby did not happen um so (laughs) we were kind of in the mindset of let's try and get as much done as possible before um your your son arrives and you know get the book ready to go um and so then from like June July 21 onwards um when I had my baby it was it was kind of focusing on like like very small like finalizations like Mm. signing off the final draft getting the cover done and the map and stuff and then kind of trying to make like a marketing plan but what you've said is really important, actually. Like, I am, for all intents and purposes, traditionally published with a small press. But I've had so much that, like, the marketing learning curve has been steep, um, especially with having a young child alongside it. Yeah. There's so much to learn. Um, and yeah, finding podcasts like yours is so valuable because it means that it's, you know, it's an opportunity that wouldn't otherwise be there. Um, so I'm really grateful, actually, that you, you agreed to let me come on your show and, um, like finding stuff like this has been not as easy as you might think actually there's some oh, there's yeah, it's hard. There. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's a lot out there but it's kind of like you said at the beginning there's so many authors trying to make themselves heard that it is it is just kind of like a bit of a lucky dip sometimes in terms of who responds who who what who's interested in in having you on and yeah there's there's I'm still very much learning in, on the marketing front for sure well, that's like, uh, I just wanted to point out to to the audience, like, you know, I had, like, I was listening to Wizards, Warriors, and Words. There was another one, you know, I was listening to Writing Excuses by Brandon Sanderson. I really loved Lindsay Broker and Joe Lalo. Um, you know, I loved uh, those two in particular from when they had their um, science fiction and uh, writing marketing uh, podcast, and now they switched it over Um to really more like advertising and now it's actually done and for a long season a lot of seasons like 20 seasons I'm really sad so I've been going back through well I was like well they they were really interviewing authors and talking about things that were way above me and then Mm -hmm. you know I found some other people that were talking about things where I was past that you know and I'm like Mm -hmm. something in the middle and I tried to find things tried to find things you know and I'm like well some people were only interviewing Brandon Sanderson you know Ryan McCullen uh whoever, you know, you name it, um, you know, bigger names. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, well, I want to know what Lucy's doing for her debut novel. You know, like, I really want to know what it's like to work with, you know, traditional, but small press. Like, I want to know those things, um, you know, and there really wasn't, people were doing certain things. So I'm like, well, I want to interview authors. I want to interview artists. I want to help connect those groups. So mm-hmm. if anybody knows any artists, send them my way. It's been really hard to get artists on here. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's been really difficult. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna start my own podcast. And I called it journeyman's podcast because, you know, you got people who are like, I'm about to publish three books next year, uh, myself. And then I'm about to start querying, um, a couple things the year after that, cause I want mm-hmm. to go after maybe like Aconite or Athon for a couple of things, um, mm-hmm. and then do the hybrid. But, you know, it really took me a long time to get people to understand, like, 
Sure. Brandon Sanderson wants to come on here. I'll interview him. But, you know, if you are just gotten done with your first book, I want to interview you because I would love to, you know, I like having you on because it'd be really cool to see, you know, after your first trilogy or four or five books, mm-hmm. you know, where you're at. And it's, I think it'd be a nice little marker. Um, this is mm-hmm. almost like my my journal with other authors, you know, and trying to, you know, kind of get this, um, you know, firsthand experience from you guys. Um, you know, and then kind of check, you know, your progress along the way. Cause I feel that, you know, it would be really interesting. Jeffrey H. Haskell was on with Joe Lalo and, and Lindsay like eight years ago. So that's where I first discovered his books like Arsenal. I loved Arsenal. So then by the time I had listened to his podcast this summer, um, you know, he's eight years later sold, you know, a bunch of copies. So, um, you know, I was like, holy moly, you know, like that was a huge progression in that time. So really wanted to, you know, to showcase that. But yeah, if anybody wants to come on, you know, if you write fantasy, sci-fi, horror, as long as it has some sort of fantastical element, um, not that I don't love the classics, but, you know, we'll we'll get you on and, and figure it out. But yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, you mentioned, you know, what it's like to work with a small press because uh, mm-hmm. I don't think enough people hear at you know what it, what it's actually like and what they're actually doing in those you know in those time periods between publishing books. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand the feeling. <laughs> I'm trying to get a lot of things done, which is why we're filming now in the winter, December, and then this is a release in the spring. Because I was like talking to particularly um, you know a lot of female authors that I had had on who had just like yourself had just recently, you know, had a child and they're like, Oh man, I wish I, I, I did prep really well. I thought I prepped well. I did not prep well. And I'm like, well, I don't think you can ever prep enough, <laughs> but I'm like, we got to have the episodes out there. And I have a lot of things I'm fixing rather than just writing when it comes to books. But mm. yeah, I, I definitely, under, I, I, I've been worried about that. I'm like, I'm trying to find a, a nice, um, I have a 45 minute drive to work and back. So I'm trying to find a really nice, you know, um speech to text so I can get my writing done and then just kind of yeah but yeah did you find anything anything like really helpful um you know in terms of searching for podcasts uh you know I've always wondered how people found us for instance like did you just Mm -hmm. search fantasy and sci-fi or just podcasts writing podcasts I'm just curious so I found you because you interviewed Anna K Moss oh man yeah yeah yeah, she, she's awesome I love I love her book The Worthy it's amazing um so yeah I'm I'm kind of friends with her I've met her through oh, social cool. media and um yeah but generally it has been just yeah seeing either podcasts that other authors have been on and just contacting oh, yeah. them or searching for podcasts on social media um yeah I, it's, it's been kind of a mixed bag as to how what responses I've got like some of them don't respond at all and they're obviously the bigger ones that like you said want the bigger authors which I completely understand because that draws in the audience right but I think it's also it is really interesting to have those kind of like like us like mid-range authors who have kind of got a similar very similar experience going on yeah. And it's it's great to hear. It's, it's kind of comforting to hear. I think actually that we all go through similar struggles, and we're still trying to learn about marketing, and you know, giving it, each other tips and advice on what works. And you know, I think sometimes we hear about these extreme examples like TikTok, like blowing yeah. up for an author and then suddenly selling hundreds of thousands yeah. of books. And it doesn't happen for everyone. Like you can Pretty use rare. the exact same trend that an author has used and become really popular with and you get like 200 views and you think okay well what I don't, I don't get it social media is very <laughs> confusing anyway yeah um so yeah I do think it, it it gives a lot of 
comfort and, and value actually hearing from authors going through similar stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, just getting the podcast out alone. I mean, it's been, we've been over a year and it's like Twitter, anytime, like today, like we're about 18 downloads away from being 3K on RSS.com. And, you know, if I share the link mm. on Twitter, they block me. So only like two people see it. So it's like, well, how on earth do I do self-promo Saturday mm. then? If you do the QR code, nobody cares. They want the link. And it's like, Twitter won't do that even now that, you know, Elon has, you know, bought it. It's like, you know, Facebook, I go from friends now do public. It's like still nobody mm -hmm. sees it, you know? So just to, with the algorithm, same thing for TikTok, you know, now my goal is out of that two, now my goal for any TikTok, like for instance, when we release this episode, I'll put your book and a TikTok together, um, mm -hmm. you know, on you know, for the week, and I'll do several of those. So let's say that only only 200 people see your book and see the description um, and, you know, see your author profile that I put on there. Well, if I do that three times, all of a sudden 600 people have seen your book. Now, the mm -hmm. analytics, I think a lot of people don't really look at statistically. And that's where like this episode, if only 30 people like listen to it, but you get five people that buy your book, and of those five, if three people become lifelong readers for you, that statistically speaking has actually been shown through a lot of Amazon statistics to actually be better for your career in the long run than just a heat wave and then kind of done sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I just think a lot of people don't realize, like, if you go on to 10 podcasts, right, and you get 50, you know, out of however many people see it, let's say it's, you know, 50 people check out your book and 25 read it out of those 10 podcasts, you know, what, 10 hours, you know, and, you know, you, but you don't just sell that book one, you make them a lifelong reader. Like there have been several authors that have came on here and I've checked them out. Like I'll buy anything that Jeffrey H. Haskell has written. So he's made me a lifetime reader and he has quite a few books, you know? So, and Kevin Hearn's one of those people where I, I'll, I'll buy Kevin Hearn's I Drew Chronicles for anybody. I, I hand them out as stocking suffers, you know, um, I do book giveaways and sometimes for my friends at fun parties and stuff. Um, and you know, I, I just think that some people really think again, like you said, like they think, oh, I'm just going to put up this one TikTok, and mm. that's not how it is. You know, I'm, I'm continuing to do this because I'm hoping that your episode is the one that blows up to 1 million views on TikTok because, you know, we want 1 million people to see your things, you know, mm. we want them to see your book, your website, you know, your socials, whatever this episode, you know, and that's the one thing that really keeps me going. Cause sometimes it's like, get one download per day. And then like the other day I had like 60 on rss.com alone. And then we were able to get Lily Horn up to like 50 from there. And I haven't even checked the other um, audio accounts. Um, that one's usually a little bit bigger. Um, Apple podcast won't let me check statistics right now. So I'm hoping that that's bumped up, but you mm -hmm. know, there were almost probably 200 people from the outlets that have seen her product now. And, you know, we're going to do some things later on after season two in the summer to try and we're doing author spotlights, all sorts of things. So we're always thinking five, 10, mm -hmm. you know, in the long run. So I do agree with, I think so many people think, oh, I'm just going to do this thing. And that's just, that's not, I've talked to a lot of authors. We've, we've really looked at the analytics for a lot of different authors um, on social media. Anytime someone has shared their sales, that's really what it's been is, you know, like it really inches rather than, you know, you have those gaps sometimes and yeah. you have those mountains. But I think that really, if you look at it and you do bring up a good point, you know, like I like to interview people like you and myself, because, you know, those TikTok people, while they're out there and you see them, but they're still really rare, they're still the one, two percent. But that's why I like to interview authors who are, you know, up and coming, because 
you know, that's most of us. Most of us have to figure out how to sell five or 10 per podcast or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe 20 or 30 books, you know, that you've printed and gone to those, you know, comic cons or writing conventions or something like that. So I think it's better to see the realistic approach and mm -hmm. see why do people really do this, you know, and why do, why do we subject ourselves to this? You know? And I think if you are ready, like a workout, right? Like, you know, it's going to be a long day, like Friday I teach, you know, I knew it was going to be a long day. You know, if you prepare, I think that way ahead of time, but you're like, I'm still going to do this thing. Cause I love it. I think you'll have much better results and I think you'll stick with it a lot more. So. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Well, look at us, man. I'm, we're like eight o'clock, eight thirty AM on a Saturday, my time. So we're getting some good stuff. I, that coffee really helped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, so you mentioned a little bit of your genre, but so um, what genre or genres do you currently write in and why? Uh, so fantasy is my yeah, first love. Um, I, I've always like loved fantasy books for uh, as long as I can remember. Um, like I think a multi multiple different influences came in around the same, like age nine, 10, 11. So we had like, uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask. Um, I read um, Tamora Pierce's uh, Song of the Lioness Quartet. Um, Lord of the Rings films came out of the cinema. Um, so it was just a lot of uh, fantasy stuff going on that I just like, fell in love with. And, you know, they remain firm favourites now. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, that, that was always kind of going to be the genre that I wrote. And I didn't really have to think about it much. Um, I do also enjoy um, horror books. You know, I, I, like, I enjoy Stephen King and uh, Dan Simmons and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just don't think I've got the, I don't know. So there's something you need to become a horror writer. You need to have yeah. some kind of, yeah. Something I don't think I have. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, you know, who knows? Maybe one day I'll give it a try. But for <laughs> now, I think it's going to be fantasy. You know, I'm, I'm I'm writing this trilogy. I'm I'm writing another a couple of other projects on the side and fantasy short stories. Yeah, it's just a genre that I think there's a lot of possibilities in. Um, yeah, and at the same time, you can also bring a lot of real life elements into it, um, and weave those into the story, which I really enjoy. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's 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 a lot of fun. I love sci-fi. Sci-fi was what I first started reading. And then once I discovered fantasy, I was like, oh, man. And I tried to write sci-fi. I'm just not that good. <laughs> fantasy comes a lot easier. So you think mm. I've read more sci-fi? Maybe it's because I've, I don't know, maybe it's because I found sci-fi first and was just so sci-fi. Maybe my brain just, you know, is more interested mm. in fantasy and the things you can do. But it's funny how, you know, I you, you def they're definitely written. I'm glad you mentioned horror, right? Like horror is written completely different. Yeah. Um, you know, than, than fantasy. So that's why I always try and get horror writers on here. And I like to talk to a lot of them. I try to get more on here. <laughs> Sometimes they're like, no one says fantasy and sci-fi. I'm like, I consider horror fantasy because there's fantastic yeah. elements. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I wish I was better at writing horror. I've had some ideas and I've kind of played a little mm -hmm. bit, but I don't think I'm quite there yet. I don't think my brain quite works that way. I think almost like you have to, like my brother, like, I think he'd be amazing. You have to almost like love to be scared and yeah. you know, I don't <laughs> love to be scared so Me neither. I, yeah so I try but yeah it's interesting I like people that bring in those horror elements into their writing though mm -hmm. like uh Elaine Cunningham Forgotten Realms uh Richard Lee Byers uh he did that really well for Forgotten Realms and his newer Marvel books uh, Legend of Asgard um mm -hmm. for Marvel um I just think I I, can, I think that's a little bit easier for me bringing in the elements rather than just writing straight horror but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my goals one of these days is to just like have my brother read a horror story or book that I've, you know, written. And he just been like, he'll just be like, oh, I was terrified. Like that's like yes. one of my one of my goals. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot different though. Uh so we'll go with that third one there. My favorite uh question to ask authors, their actual books and products. So mm-hmm. what is your book Awakening the Commune's Curse about? And how did you come up with this idea? So it is uh I've got a copy here, just yeah. I love that cover, by the way. That's awesome. So do I. Like, if you saw the drawing that I did for the illustrator and he came up with this, I did, like, the crummiest, like, sword and, like, <laughs> some flowers. And, and, yeah, he came up with this. I was like, yep, yep, nailed it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really good. I love the cover. Um, so it's a it's a multi-perspective, character-focused um dark fantasy I mean we could say young adult but to be honest I don't really prescribe to those kind of labels like if you want to read it you read it like you know you don't have to be a a teenager to enjoy it so it's set in a kingdom that's ruled by an authoritarian uh, government called the commune um, and they're basically you know it's very oppressive they're hunting down uh, children who have been born with these ancient powers Um, so we see the story from uh, four perspectives as I mentioned um, three of these are fleeing from the commune and their soldiers you know they're trying to find safety one of them is a soldier fighting for them and hunting the other three basically um, and yeah there's a lot of politics at play um, you know there's a lot of deep-seated levels of, of trauma there's a lot of fear we see kind of why there are certain feelings towards people that have these powers um, they're treated in a certain way each character has a lot of internal struggle um you know it's very kind of closely in each of their heads from each each chapter you know it kind of every chapter is a different character it alternates between the four we see we're in some of their heads more than others like Evelyn is probably the main one that we're in her head the most but it is split between these four characters and they yeah it's very important for me because I'm because I'm a counsellor to have like realistic mental health representation so we you know we do see stuff like um struggling with anxiety addiction grief trauma um yeah and i i i enjoy books that represent those things and i enjoy characters that i see those things in because i feel like they're easier to connect with and and interesting and realistic stuff like you know robin hobb and joe abercrombie would be examples i think they amazingly um and so in terms of how, how did I come up with the idea I, there was a lot of influence from real life events you know like I mentioned earlier I I do enjoy bringing real life scenarios and influences into fantasy stories so a big one for me was like Brexit in the UK mm-hmm. where, I, where I live it's there's been a lot of um questionable decisions made by the government a lot of ostracizing groups of people and 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 creating this kind of us versus them mindset in a lot of the populace so that that influenced a lot of kind of actually the commune and how they treat certain groups of people in the society um and you know there's stuff like exploring um sexual assault and victim blaming um and i know sexual assault can be like a really overused thing in fantasy books but the way i've done it in this is actually understanding the fact that victim blaming is a real issue in in the real world um and exploring what that's like and and seeing how the character reacts to that and the, the way that she tries to process what happened to her not only in the sexual assault but in the way she was treated afterwards as well so yeah it's, it's the various kind of influences and you know I think 
as a as a fan of fantasy, I can't help but have taken on board stuff like his Dark Materials by Philip Pullman is like my favorite trilogy. So you know, taking influence from other authors and and their ideas, I, yeah, undoubtedly have been absorbed into my brain over the years and have come out in some way in this in this trilogy. Well, that's super cool. I I love how. I love how you you took those it's funny because when you were explaining you know the concept of the book I'm like oh the caveat I'm like I'm thinking of so many things I'm like you know because I'm a history teacher and a study society mm-hmm. and I'm like oh that's I'm like that's exactly what we've been doing <laughs> like all over the world you know and I I kind of had that same thought you know like here in the United States it's like I almost want to write in one of my fantasy books like an empire that's like crumbling you know and it's that fall of Rome so to speak you know and I love a lot of people here in this country don't like to hear about it but it's like you know I, I love one of the shows years ago it was like the United States is number one anymore <laughs> like you guys got to get over it and I yeah. almost like want to put that into a fantasy book because you know it's it's same thing that's what you know we've had the problem too mm-hmm. you know us versus them and I'm just like yeah. we're all just people like I don't understand why I can't just you know, like we have to have these labels and I don't like you because of this. It's like, we're all just mm-hmm. people. Like y'all bleed the same way. You have the same amount of bones. Most of us, you know, things like that. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting after a while. But mm. well, that sounds really cool. Um, There's a lot there to unpack. Um, That sounds awesome, by the way. <laughs> I read the description and I, I've been trying this new thing that a, a interviewer had told me about on one of the podcasts I listened to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you do this? Because I used to like research people's books very intently. And then, you know, that way I had, like, had more questions and things. And lately I've been trying to not read people's books ahead of time uh, mm. based off of his, because I used to at least read like chapter one, chapter two, things like that. And his uh, explanation was, he's like, well, it's almost like a movie trailer. And he said that when he interviewed authors and then went and read their books, because he's mm. a writer too, he's like, I get much more out of it. And I'm like, there's no way. And ever since I've tried that though, like, oh my gosh, like, I have enjoyed okay. people's books so much more. It mm. almost feels like I like I got the director's cut, you know, like ahead of time and I know certain things to look out for. Mm. Uh, so I highly recommend to people that if you can listen to a podcast that somebody's been on, as long as it's not a spoiler one, um, it's just, I, I felt personally as a, as a reader and a writer, it's enriched my experience mm. and it was such a good suggestion. Um, uh, but yeah, but there's just so many things there that, you know, um, when I was looking at, you know, your reviews and things like that, um, you know, and what people had said, or sorry, your description on, you know, Goodreads and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I looked at past reviews on what people have said for different, you know, grim dark fantasy books. And it just seems to me like you have a really interesting concept there. Cause like you said, you know, it's, it's hard to leave out the real world, I think in fantasy, cause we don't really know what it's like to you know i don't know hang out with dragons and elves but things like sexual assault things like you know you know being marginalized um you know seeing your government do things that you're not quite proud of like those are the kind of things right that i think really get people involved and help them to connect to a story so i think Mm -hmm. bringing those things in personally i think you know and i could tell that from like your description and the blurb I think that that is a much better way to write a fantasy story than just writing something else because mm-hmm. there have been some books like I love Forgotten Realms books don't get me wrong I have like almost all of them on my shelf over here Dragonlance and things but I when you were saying that I was thinking of the ones that I really liked were the ones that dealt with real life issues trauma mm-hmm. you know something like that um you know bullying you know what I mean like um mm-hmm. 
uh, war in Russia and, you know, between Russia and Ukraine right now, like that kind of thing in that mm -hmm. setting. And I think you get better characters and, you know, better situations out of it. And I think it matches themes a little bit more realistically. There have been times where like, you know, the main character in one of those books will do something and, you know, kill like 50 people. Yeah. Whether or not they are evil or not, it's like that never weighs on you. You're like, you're just totally fine with that, you know? And I'm, I always thought like, as a, as a kid, I'm just like, you know, a teenager, I'm like, all right, whatever. But as an adult, I'm like, right or wrong, you know, like that would really weigh on me, you know, like psychologically, like having to destroy 300 enemies or going through this dungeon and doing these things. Like it would just, to me, it would seem like you'd have some sort of trauma or something weighing on you. Yeah. So, personally, I just think that that to me sounds like a much better story. So how you explained it, I think adds in a lot of good things from your blurb. And to me, um, which is also a reason why I've been waiting to read certain books from authors mm -hmm. I've talked to them. Because to me, now that gets me more excited for the story. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out because that's what I've been doing. So I highly recommend to people to try it out because it ends up uh, giving a much different flavor to the mm -hmm. writing. Um, all right. Well, that sounds awesome. I And I'm so glad you mentioned your cover because as soon as I saw your cover, like you, you messaged me on Instagram. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I get a lot of them. I'm like, I always try to respond to, I always respond to everybody. I try to respond right away. That drives me nuts that people aren't responding to you. Like I just, that to me, just, I don't mm -hmm. like, I had some people that after you had messaged me, like you were one of the last people that messaged me for season two. So I said to people, I'm like, I'll put you down for season three. And as soon as I figure out my baby schedule, we'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, that drives me nuts. But I love that. I loved your cover. I clicked on, you know, um, your Instagram and did, you know, went on the link right away. And I was like, oh my gosh, like to me, it really reminded me of like a, like an old school, uh, like original, like Tad Williams. Um, mm. I just got, there were certain vibes I was getting. And I just want to point out to the audience, if you are on YouTube or on audio, please uh, click on Lucy's link in the description um, to find the, you know, awakening because the color, I don't think really shows up as well on YouTube. I think you really got to actually go to Amazon um, you know, or your website to really see how vivid the color is. As somebody mm -hmm. who was trying to go in illustration early in college, I was like, that hit me right away. And I just love how he did the sword and how mm -hmm. everything on there just kind of conglomerates. And if you don't mind, uh, do you mind telling us who your artist was for that? Uh, oh, what was his name? Oh my God, that's a minute. I'm going to find it. <sighs> Oh no, where's it written? I, I it's somewhere. It's on SFWP's website. Um, I can look it up. I just I was curious because I'd love to to have them on, and I've been trying to find more artists. And for whatever reason, lately it's been a lot harder to find people's cover artists. And it doesn't mm. matter which company they're from or if they're private. Um, it's been a lot more difficult uh, for me than than it would <laughs> it would appear. Yeah. Um, I don't know why because we're in this social media age. You would think you would <laughs> yeah on the website and you think um, yeah and I get it because you know like in terms of a book you know like I don't know it's just interesting I, I can find the editor I can find the copy editor I can obviously find the author but the artists have just it's just been really difficult so but I'm gonna I'll write a note on that yeah it's definitely on the, if you look on the SFW my book listing his name is there it's just gone from he's he's a Turkish guy he's clearly very talented uh, yeah I, yeah well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll check that out. Cause yeah, I definitely want to try and uh, get him on. Cause yeah, that was amazing cover. It's one of the better ones I've seen um, lately, particularly with the sword, you know, just by itself. Um, so yeah, I definitely really like that one. So I put that in the cart. So 
have to go get that later. I was waiting for my Amazon card. <laughs> it just got here today for Christmas. So I this today is basically my Christmas here <laughs> on uh, on a Saturday. Um, so I can't wait. I have quite a few authors uh, in my cart. So that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highly recommend to our audience to go and check out Lucy's book. Um, looks absolutely amazing. Uh, so when it comes to world building, what steps do you take to make your world feel more unique? So I was thinking about this. And, you know, it is a, it is a medieval type, type fantasy kingdom. So to a degree, okay, that's not original, right? I know that's not the most unique of settings. Um, and I think perhaps it's difficult now for certain types of stories to be unique, especially when they're told by an author like, you know, I'm white, I'm from I'm Western. I'm coming from a certain cultural background and um, I'm influenced by certain stories that I read growing up, which tend to be medieval kind of fantasy. And that's what I enjoy seeing. Yeah. yeah. So I think actually where the uniqueness comes in is how the story is told. Right. The, the author voice and um yeah, so you know, it's it's a kingdom that is I'm taking on, like I said, the real world stuff. So perhaps that that brings in a different yeah. um, vibe, perhaps because I think when you're bringing in real world stuff as well as an author, you're always going to kind of put your own spin on it. Um, and it, you know, it's based on my personal experience, what I've seen in my country, um, and you know, globally as well, like your country too. Like, there's been a lot of stuff going on with the governments doing some very sketchy things. Yeah. So um, me taking that on board, it kind of, you know, my personal politics come into play as I'm writing it and come into the voice and how I choose to represent those things. So I think certain, yeah, elements like that make it unique. There's also, like I mentioned earlier, taking little bits from my favourite authors, you know, I mentioned Philip Pullman and Robin Hobb, um, Stephen Dais is, is another fantasy author who I love and books that I've read over the years and you can't help but take on a little bit of each of them and hopefully yeah, yeah. Spin, spin that into something unique so yeah the world perhaps not the most unique you're going to see it's, it is a medieval style fantasy kingdom the, the names are probably all very kind of British sounding um like you know there's like a Castleton and I was like is that really cheesy but then like you see places like that in the UK, places have names like that, you know, yeah. and yeah, it's it's hopefully what, how I've told the story that actually makes it unique. Well, I think that makes total sense, and I think also, you know, like we were talking, bringing in those world, real world, you know, experiences, mm-hmm. and trying to—that's the whole point, right? Is you're trying to make your world feel real. So I think, mm. I don't know. I think sometimes, I think sometimes myself and others, I think some people who are writers would find this very relevant to them i think sometimes we try to put the fantastical elements in and try to make them so fantastical because we love like you said lord of the rings things like that but i think sometimes we forget right that we still have to bring in those real world elements Mm. to make those fantastical elements seem real Mm. because you don't just want the fantasy side you want your world to feel real so i think Mm. that that i think you know i think that makes total sense um i always think of like robert jordan you know where he try to not take racism you know as a big thing in his works it's a fantasy world but at the same time it wasn't really based off a of race it, his was based more off of country 
So, you know, they still had all the same problems, but it was more, oh, you're from, you know, you're from the UK, you're from the United States, you're from mm. wherever, rather than, you know, skin color, because they have a lot of different things. And I, I thought that was interesting. And some people have said, well, that's not realistic. And I'm like, well, in my fantasy setting, I have, think of any animal you could possibly think of. And somewhere on the planet, because of the magic that has seeped into the world um, mm. from different sources, um, I have ape men, basically. I have parrot men, you know, I have, or folk, as I call them. I have panda folk. I love Kung Fu Panda. So I had to put that in there, you know, and, you know, I have a lot of different things. So it might not, you know, I have a um, cat folk, you know, and there are, they're kind of having issues because like kind of almost like Native American issues, um, you know, where their land's being taken, they have a different system, different culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to think of, okay, how do I take that type of setting and Mm -hmm. those people and, put you know make those realistic to us so I think you taking that perspective with your world building makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of times the rest of us fantasy authors might forget that because we're trying to put all the fantasy in and we forget that you know we're trying to create a world that you know we humans can connect with so mm-hmm. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense I was just curious about the commune just real fast since we're on world mm-hmm. building because I interview a lot of fantasy authors and you know there have been some interesting concept with government that have come particularly the last few years and mm-hmm. i think you know seeing you know all of our governments do these interesting um mm-hmm. and bizarre things at times and then try to do x y and z after um has really sparked a lot of interest um particularly you know in fantasy so i was just curious at how the commune itself um worked within your world mm-hmm. like, so- Here's something like what the number was like you know is it like an oligarchy you know like how did that work exactly for you it's so we learn in the book it's basically so you have these people that have some have powers they're kind of born at random right so we had a rebellion it's 110 years I think before the start of this book that rebellion was quashed and a nobleman um took that opportunity to kind of approach the king and put himself in a position of power by saying look we don't want this to happen again we need to have some kind of system in place to take in these people with powers, like bring them under control and train them so that they can work for the kingdom rather than rise up in rebellion again. So you see that that's happened a hundred years ago. We're now on the third um, iteration of that. The the grand magister is the leader of the commune. So it's been his, he's the great grandfather of the current one so it's kind of like this this family thing you know one person is just kind of inherited that position um is that an oligarchy maybe i, I need to look cool. <laughs> it's harder with an oligarchy because i now as a socialist teacher like we i used to call things an oligarchy and then people are like no that's a blah 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 and i'm like well definition, <laughs> it's an oligarchy so. <laughs> so whatever that comes under yeah. autocracy maybe um <laughs> So like yeah, this is one one person who's basically in power. He's very corrupt. So it's you know he's the third grand magister uh, that's that's come into power over the hundred years since the commune has been in place. The king is a man who we don't actually see, we don't actually meet either the king or the grand magister in book one. But there are el- certain elements where you kind of see what what's going on in the background. I've done some bonus chapters from both their point of views that hopefully will be either released separately or within. Uh, book two or three but basically the grand magister now is is very corrupt is is wants to take 
these powers that people have, but for his own gains rather than for the good of the kingdom kind of thing. So I think it's one of those situations where it started off with good intentions, like they wanted to protect the kingdom from another rebellion, another uprising of people with powers, but it's gotten to the point where that he's now very twisted. He's, he's using his own powers to control the king, to control various other people. The king is a very weak man, um so it for all intents and purposes the commune actually ruled the kingdom you know there's a king there but he's he's under the influence of of the commune and yeah you see where i think i've tried to reflect some real life stuff is you see a lot of the nobles kind of just accepting what's happening without really questioning it and you see that I, th- I think I see that in a lot, a lot of society, actually, people that are like, as long as I'm OK, then I'm not going to worry about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's kind of that's how this 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 man has been allowed to continue on. And, you know, he's starting to oppress certain groups of people, pushing certain people out of their homes. So it's becoming more and more corrupt. Uh, and, yeah, that's where we kind of come into the story. I don't like him already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, I, you know, going with that realism, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of people can relate to that, you know, and um, I think <laughs> you can probably go in any country at this point and be like, oh yeah, we got that leader or that leader, or that leader. And that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's just so interesting that you, you brought up, you know, where people, if it doesn't affect them, they're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and, yeah, that that for me, like really hits home because um, here in particular, like I'm a teacher, like I've worked with kids, I'm 35, I've worked with kids in public school since I was 19, uh, mm-hmm. took my first education course, um, never looked back, <laughs> I want to write on the side, you know, to give me some sanity, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's, um, we've had some just horrible things, uh, the don't mm-hmm. say gay bill is one of them, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I'm in New York State, and we're very democratic um, type of state or a blue state, if you will. So mm-hmm. I, I like that. If I mm-hmm. had to live in someplace like Iowa or Florida and teach there, I'd be fired already. Um, mm-hmm. My school um, is a safe zone. My classroom is a safe zone. So LGBTQ students in particular, everybody knows you're safe. You can come into, you know, our classroom and, you know, we're going to treat everybody the same. Um, and, you know, it's really hard for me to see other states that have done the opposite. And I'm like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, well, these are my kids. I'm like, I have a son on the way. I'm like, and the kids were teasing me yesterday. They're like, well, have, don't you really have thousands of children though, Mr. Kuba? I'm like, yes, I do. And, you know, I was telling them like, you have me once, you know, you're my kid for life. And, you know, it really irks me that, you know, in my own country, you know, we have people doing these things, you know, and ostracizing mm-hmm. these groups. And I, it, the thing that irritates me even more being a social studies teacher is Eli Weitzel, right? You know, his quote, like, you know, if you just, you know, if you're not silent, the oppressor just wins, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just like, I see so many of my fellow people where they'll share anything on Facebook, like a cat photo, whatever, but they will not share one simple thing about, you know, that bill or stand up against it or say anything. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, social media isn't the place for that. I'm like, well, if social media is not the place for it, where is the place for it? Yeah. You know, I highly doubt that, you know, when I talk to you in person, you're also not mentioning it. So mm. I definitely agree with you there. I would connect with the fact that people in your book are just standing by and allowing evil to progress, if you will, mm. because that unfortunately has, you know, that, that's that's history in a nutshell. Mm. So history teacher in me was like, yes, good job, Lucy. Like, <laughs> yeah, so that, that to me sounds awesome. I already hate that guy. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. So 
that right there, I think should tell you something, you know, about your writing. I had somebody the other day and they're like, man, this guy really hates my character. I'm like, good job. They're like, I'm like, was, was that the bad guy? Or was that somebody that wasn't meant to be like, he goes, oh no, I had to test him myself. He goes, he just always talks to me and I have to write more chapters for him. And I'm like, well, that's just great writing right there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so everybody in the audience, once you read Lucy's book, feel free to tell her, you know, how much you, you know, despise him mm -hmm. and his, his position within the government. Uh, well, that sounds awesome. It sounds like great world building there. Um, so you talked a little bit about characters there as well. So when it comes to exciting characters that readers can relate to, like me, maybe they already despise him, for instance, uh, what do you do to ensure that readers will be able to connect with them or cheer them on in your story or maybe boo them? Mm. So um, my counseling practice comes back a, uh, in a lot here. Like, so counseling theory, mental health theory, I'm really interested in how writers can use those to uh, understand their characters better. Like, so for example, attachment theory is one that I've spoken about before where you look at what was your character's childhood attachment. So you can have anything from secure to insecure, avoidant, all these different, there's four different types of attachment with their caregiver or parents growing up. What that attachment was like is very much creates a blueprint for what relationships are going to be like for them growing up. Um, how, why, why they become a certain way as an adult. Um, perhaps they're, you know, very angry they push away people that don't believe themselves to be worthy of love but actually deep down they very very much need that kind of connection but they don't know how to get it is it's all that kind of stuff I find it fascinating and I love using it um so I use it in a lot of my characters actually good and bad guys and I think actually hopefully it comes across as that makes them understandable right so they have whatever they're doing um and you know you get a lot of their internal dialogue in the book as well but you, you connect with them in a way that is like okay so they are that way because this happened to them when they were younger um so yeah that's alongside it just being very 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 interesting to me and I could talk about it for ages um it I think being able to understand your characters because ultimately they're people right we want them to be as realistic as possible we want them to seem real and for our readers to actually connect with them as if they're a real person so to do that understanding what real people are like and why people can turn out a certain way um as they grow up um yeah I think can be really invaluable actually and there's so many different counseling mental health theories um and I, I actually I have a monthly newsletter where I kind of just break down at one counseling or mental health theory and say this is how you can use this for your character oh, cool. um so I think it's a, it's a really useful tool and it's yeah that, that is how I write my characters um and hopefully that comes across and in, in, in how they are well as realistic as possible yeah hmm. oh wow that, that I'm, I'm glad that I asked you that question I've never never considered that I have a counselor upstairs my wife so I ah. apparently need to be asking her more questions because uh, I've <laughs> been sitting in the basement trying to work a couple of different character angles a little mm. bit better so I guess the whole time I should have been upstairs asking her questions so yeah on that later so <laughs> but that's cool I'm definitely gonna have to sign up for that newsletter because I think that that just sounds awesome um and very helpful so 
And I, that makes total sense. I don't know why I never thought of that before. If anybody in the audience wants to know why I interview other authors, it's because sometimes I just stare at the computer and look stuff up. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's like somebody will just say something which, you know, to you might just seem really simple. You know, like, oh, I do this thing, you know, I use my background and, you know, my education yeah. and, you know, what I know. And I'm like, why did I not just think of mental health? Like I have, you know, several characters that are dealing with different traumas and things like that or you know, causing trauma on others. So I don't know why I didn't think of just mm. that. So it's interesting the things you do think of as an author and the things that you absolutely don't think of. So I yeah. think it's really important to talk to different authors like yourself and figure out like whether it's a writing group, a podcast or social mm. media. I ask people things all the time, but that's awesome. Wrote that down in my notes. Going to definitely be thinking about that today when I go to write one character <laughs> in particular, kind of curious <laughs> at what his attachment is, you know, like, yeah that's excellent uh if you could have any or sorry if you could visit any part of your own fantasy world where would it be and why um you know like I said earlier it's probably not the most unique of places so thinking about it there's well actually the start of the book that is is in a tavern we, we meet Evelyn um she's working in a tavern and it sounds like just one of those really like quintessentially fan fantasy based taverns you know what I mean like I'm sure you can completely imagine it in your brain and it's just one of those places like you know there's a bard playing that you get you get like a bit of fresh apple pie there's a fire this just sounds really cozy and nice and the kind of place that I have no doubt I would love in real life just to just go and it's a cold you know autumnal winter's day just go in sit by the fire have a bit of pie bit of uh ale or whatever you're drinking and yeah it just sounds nice you know unfortunately she's not there for very long um it's that that place um yeah is only in the story at the very beginning but I think it would be nice to visit just a a tavern like that yeah well that's excellent I always think of David Eddings where we first meet um Belgarian and um uh, Polgara um and a couple other characters at like this the farm that they're on and I'm it always just sounds so so cozy and so nice I'm always like oh that's a that'd be a cool place you know and I I, I'm a country boy so it's funny that you know the place I would want to visit is a farm but they always you know made it he he always made it sound so great so I Mm -hmm. but I mean I think that's a you know here in the United States we have so many people that that's been their new business like they're starting fantasy taverns or you know, or really? and there's a place out in Utah and I'm hoping it made it through the pandemic. I haven't checked yet, but um, you could go and it's an amusement park where you can actually go dressed up as whatever fantasy character and you can go find different workers and they will, you you can, they'll send you on quests. <laughs> like That's it's amazing. really, it was really cool. So one of my friends was like, oh, they postponed things for a while. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like that was going to be my um post bachelor party because we, we didn't really mm-hmm. have one because of covid so that was what that was going to be what my buddy and i and a couple of friends we were going to go do that um but they unfortunately had postponed things you know because everything was you know kept going so i keep forgetting now to look it up but one of these days hoping, uh, hoping it'll last a little bit you know while when my son yeah. older we can you know take him dress him up like a rogue and then take yeah. him and send him to steal everybody's coin purses and then, you know, make him, maybe they'll have to find him or something. I think that'd be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that's been a new thing. So I've seen quite mm-hmm. a few taverns um, pop up because I think, you know, again, going to, you know, the start of the genre, you know, you're in a tavern, you know, and 
I think a lot of people have gotten away from that, but it's funny how these things come back, you know, full circle. Mm. And, um, I think you'll see that hero's journey. I think as people go and, you know, keep doing that, I think you'll see people go back to the hero's journey or those different tropes, because again, mm. that's why people go into fantasy, right. Or want to read fantasy. So that sounds right. awesome. <laughs> you got me wanting apple pie now. So <laughs> definitely gonna need a fresh one today. Uh, so for that seventh one, if you could have any skill or magical power from one of your characters, what would it be and why? So we have um, Rose, who is not one of the main point of views we read. Uh, we don't read from her head, but she's the sister of Rafe, who is one of the main point of views. So she's six years old and she's got, these powers that are being hunted by the commune and they're so they're very very strong um and she because of the power she has a dog companion so certain people that have powers are able to connect with like an animal companion oh. um that this is the part where i can clearly see my influence from his dark materials from Philip <laughs> Hall, sort of the demons you know that obviously yeah, yeah. stay um, and there are various other books I've read actually with the animal companion, like the redemption of Althalus actually comes mm. because you mentioned David Eddings, like, yeah, that one. Um, so yeah, she's got a little black spaniel companion and, you know, they're kind of like connected telepathically. Like you don't see the dialogue between them, but like they can't, they can communicate with each other. And Hector, who is one of the, one of the four main point of views, he's got old cat companion. Um, so yeah, I think it would be nice to have that, like just uh, an animal um, the dog actually, who is called Dog, so original. <laughs> I didn't realize how popular that was until like I watched Good Omens and like oh, Walking Dead and stuff. I was like, damn it! Yeah. That is in there now. So Dog is based on my my late dog Evie. She um, unfortunately she passed away in 2020, but she she was a little black spaniel and like he, he she, he's based on her. And you know, that's the idea of having a dog or a companion like that who you're connected with, who kind of goes with you everywhere. Yeah, it'd be really nice. You know, I've, I've had people say like, oh, why don't you do like different animals, like, you know, an elephant or like a dolphin or something. I was like, okay, yeah. But the, this has some things that would make it very awkward. Like, can you imagine trying to, how would you go with, you'd have to stay on the, on the ocean if you had a dolphin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be interesting to write stories with with more unique or different animals but for me just a good old dog you know I'm a dog person I'd love to have a, a dog companion I think yeah yeah I think dog or mine would be like a panther like my spirit animal is definitely a panther <sighs> yeah what it'd be either one of those and when you were saying that though I was like it's funny because again connecting with your readers and your audience like I immediately thought of my buddy's dog who like basically is like my dog <laughs> like I go over there all the time hang out with them do stuff like when they're gone like we you know watch them all the time and stuff and he absolutely loves when I come over like he goes nuts and all summer like two summers ago like they went to a lot of places um you know say to quarantine and then go somewhere mm -hmm. lockdown quarantine so we were over there a lot and like we he, I mean he literally just he followed me anywhere I'm like all right let's go and like go around the house or we go out for a walk or whatever and he's very chill and you know he's very intelligent so I definitely connected when you were saying that I was like mm -hmm. yeah you know, that makes sense but well, that's really cool. Now I, now I need an animal companion. I've been telling my wife for a while, but she says after we're, you know we're having a child, so she's like, "That's basically the same thing." I'm like, ah. <laughs> "I said, uh, uh, hold me over for a couple of years, I guess." But <laughs> yeah. uh, so for that last one, do you have any news, updates, promos, or current projects that you'd like to share with us? Well, so I'm working on book two of the Communes Curse trilogy. That's should be released late 2023. Um, 
and hopefully I'll have a cover to share with people kind of early next year um, cool. and I'm excited to see that um, I'm also working on another dark fantasy book that's yeah this is kind of like one that's been on the back burner since before I had my son and it's 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 got a serial killer in it it's got like mysterious powers it's Ooh. got two two girls who have to kind of investigate the, the killings and try and try and work out like who it is you know so that that I'm excited to do that one that'll be one that I query with agents um I've also got there's a, sh- a short story of mine being featured in a, an anthology um from Dragon Soul Press called Reign of Fire and that's releasing in January uh, next year, January 30th. Um, and my, my short story is called The Dragon Harvester's Daughter. Um, yeah, and it's an anthology with all dragon-based short stories. So I'm excited to read all the other stories. Yeah. And it's exciting for me to have a short story of mine out there because it's the first one of mine that got picked wow. up by, by someone. So, that yeah, that will be out in January. So I'm excited to have that. You know, it's nice to have something in the interim between book one and two. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got this coming out. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm also working on a joint project with a friend of mine called Cindy Van Wilder, and that one that one is a bit of a secret project because I don't want to say anything before, like that they, I want us to share it together. You know, and that's so that's yeah, yeah. another another YA fantasy, shockingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, kind of all these things. Um, yeah, you can follow me on like social media and I'll, I'll give updates. I give like little snippets of the like quotes from the projects that I'm working on. And um, yeah, hopefully try and get people interested because I, I, I like to see from like authors that I follow, I like to see little snippets of what they're working on. So I find it really interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned your socials and things like that. So don't forget audience, uh, if you have been here before, if you're new, you can find Lucy's uh, books and her works and her websites right in the description, anywhere where there's video or audio can be found. Uh, we just want to remind people if you, you know, um, buy one of Lucy's products, hopefully you do, but also read or listen to them. Uh, please make sure you're reviewing. That's going to be a huge thing. We're really pushing for season two. It's the thing that helps out traditional and indie authors. doesn't matter who it is. Uh, and also actually helps out. Uh, somebody mentioned the other day, it also helps the editors, you know, um, you know, your voice actors, you know, really the artists, it really helps everybody. Um, so that everybody's work can be seen, you know, that has helped, um, you know, in those products. So please, please, please make sure you guys are doing that. Uh, Lucy, thank you so much. I got a lot of really good notes. So you gave me a lot of things to look up and um, think about before my writing session here in just a little bit. So I uh, really want to thank you for that. Uh, if there's anything else I can do in the meantime, or after, you know, this is published, you got anything that, you know, you want to share um, tag me, send it to me, email me. Sometimes authors are afraid. They think they're bugging me. Um, I'm really not as flooded with people as people think. And it really just takes a few seconds. Uh, so anything that I can do to help you out, um, you know, you got, you know, cover two at some point and you want to come on and, you know, reveal it, um, or, you know, need help pushing that, you know, second book out or a short story, just let me know. And, you know, we'll schedule again, get you on, love to have you back. And, talk about some other great writing topics. Um, but yeah, if there's anything else I can do to help you out at all, just let me know and I will gladly do that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Lucy. Well, you guys have a good rest of your afternoon and I will talk to you later on social media and I'll be sending you a couple of emails here within the next couple of days. Thank you so much. Have a good one.